welcome back to Under the Whareke. I'm Anatola. I'm Tahu, and today we're talking about the youth justice system with Fire Rosie Tinagwefa. Uh, could you do a quick call and introduce yourself to the crowd? I call Rosie about talking away. No one I keep talking about Kituru. I live in the west, uh, from Timahia, no Rongo Mai Wahine Ahau, Ngai Te Apatu, Ko Tuahuru Te Marae, Ko Whangawehi Te Awa, Ko Taerea Te Maunga, Ko Ngāti Rongo Mai Wahine Tewi, Ko Ngai Tū Te Hapu. Toko Whā Aku Tamariki, and he roi ahau. Hi. Amazing. Loya. Loya. I know, Loya. Loya Maori. I'm excited! Okay. So to kind of warm up our space, we do a little icebreaker, and that's just to kind of set the mood, kind of get us started, um, and kind of get comfortable talking, really, mm. about really controversial topics. Sounds good. Um, starting with our major. Starting with the biggest <laughs> one in the room. Um, so our icebreaker is yeah, nah, or nah, yeah. So I'm going to read out a statement, and then we're going to have a little chat. Also, Fire Rosie, I just want you to know, judgment is always allowed. Okay, is milk still all good the day after the expiry date? Milk? Nah. <laughs> is that a yeah, nah, or nah, yeah? Yeah, nah. 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 Why? Yeah, nah. Why? Well, first things first, I'm not a cow, so yeah. I don't yeah. drink cow's milk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so milk is a no-go, full stop, but then... You don't yeah. drink milk? Nah. Oh, here we go. Here we go. I ain't a cow. <laughs> me too. I drink oat milk or coconut milk. Yeah, Thank you very too. much. Almond for me. I'm here for it. <laughs> oh, what's up? Oh, uh, does, does almond milk, so would you eat, drink that after expired? You know what? I have drunk um, oat milk the day after and it's fine. But one time I had an expired oat milk and I put it in my hot chocolate. Oh. And it was probably like, it was like a solid week, seven days yeah. out of expiry. And I tell you, I've, I learnt my lesson. I monitor it a lot better. But if you make your own oat milk, you have to really be, I don't know if you've ever done that before, but you have to be really mindful. So it's like three days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you're out. So yeah, yeah I'm a, I'm a, yeah, nah. Yeah, nah. Yeah, nah. Nah, yeah. All day. Uh, like, you know, all expiry dates are all cheap. The general guideline. Yeah, yeah, general guideline. Yeah, yeah, it's like a, um, it's an oppressive me. <laughs> <laughs> another tool of oppression. Yeah, another tool of oppression. Hot topic. <laughs> yeah, the inspiring days when I can, I drink my milk. Alright? I'll drink it out of a desk kernel or something, no problem. That's just medical pee, eh? Have you ever, have you ever drunk expired milk? Yeah, heaps, heaps. Have you drunk? I don't even do the sniff test, I drink to see oh, if it's off. Oh, brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Wait, nah. Like, drunk, my little sister will be like, is this off too? And I'll be like, yeah. <laughs> and then you're like, yeah, all good. I'll be like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wait, have you ever drunk milk straight from, like, the cow? Yeah, yeah, we got cows. Yeah, so, like, straight with... Yeah, yeah. And does it taste the same? Nah, nah way better. <laughs> from, yeah. Way better? Mm. <gasps> mm. I, I love non-pasteurised yeah. milk. Is yeah. that what it's called, yeah. non-pasteurised yeah. milk? Yeah. Do you no like milk. oat milk? <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> Honestly, like, cause my fiance, she's all about um that stuff, and I'm full cream, full everything, real butter. She likes olivani. So no, it's the only. You can't pull that butter. That butter. Yeah. That's the only butter I can pull. Look at the judgment. Look at the judgment. Yeah. 
No, oh if I could, I'd have real butter. Honestly, I love real butter, but I can't. It's got milk yeah, in it. Yeah, she's vegan. Look. Power yay. to the animals. Yeah. yeah, power to the animals. We love animals around here. Yeah. But also, vegan, stop judging people for eating what they want to eat. It's their mm. bodies. It's their choice. Anyway. <laughs> 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 I just well, from here, we uh, want to learn a little bit more about the youth justice system and you have some part for us. So, you're going to ask us the part Yeah. And then we're going to have our whiteboards. Okay. This is the part of the um, show where we come out to play. <laughs> or go down on a screaming heat. Yes. <laughs> Anatola. Alright. First, first question for you. First question for you. What is the name of the piece of legislation oh. that governs how we deal with both youth justice and care and protection here in, in Aotearoa? Three three words. Three words, Tahu. Three words. <laughs> I, I, honestly, I should know since I, I'm a trained social worker. But um, I actually can't remember. I think it's this one, but I, I don't know. It's had a name change recently. Yeah, and that's what I'm trying to remember. Okay, give us a look. Family Act, it was signed in 1999. Ding ding. I did Children's Protection Act. Ding ding. Both failed. What is Oh, too. Okay. Anyways, the, the, yeah, where do where we do I start? I really struggle because I just call it SIFS because I struggle with that name. I'm like, you can't change a name when you don't change the system. Mm. Absolutely. That's fucked up. And make it a Māori name so it's like a Māori yeah, like, problem. Oh, guys, we're yeah. so yeah. Like, culturally competent. Oh, I, yeah. It's, it's, it's appalling, you know. Um, you know, the Oranga Tamariki Act, at the time that it was enacted, it was done on the basis of a report that was led by John Rangiho, Dr. John Rangiho. It was a report called Puo Teatatu and it was released in 1988. That report was a reflection on where youth justice was at back then and why it was such a problem and what the recommendations would be. So as a result of that, they came out with the Children and the Fa Young Person and Their Families Act. At the time, I don't know what it would have been called, but it was basically the piece of legislation that <coughs> governs our youth justice. And there was lots of contributions made to that legislation uh, in terms of Māori consulting, similar to Moana Jackson and He um, Ho. You know, same take come up in these reports, the recommendations are made and we have this piece of legislation that's then enacted. And it's even won um, accolades in the United Nations for its forward thinking and its uh, use of Indigenous practices like what they call FGCs, family group conferences, opportunities to wānanga, figure out solutions. Mm. So these are our traditional practices of wānanga. But when you legislate and incorporate them into the government machinery, how is it then enacted? So the government is the one that controls how the legislation is then enacted, put into action. So processes like having hui and wānanga become family group conferences that mm. are legislated for that have to be held within seven days of a young person being remanded in custody. So how are they, you know, community consultation, iwi consultation, but actually delivering the services that the Act provides for? Time and time again, it should be iwi social services, Māori for Māori. Mm. You know, we know that the system hasn't worked for our people. <coughs> 
um, you can't have Pākehā ministers of, of justice, or in fact we have a Māori minister of justice, <laughs> Kitty Allen. <laughs> yeah. But you can't have them interpreting the whakaaro behind the legislation. And also when you legislate for something, from my perspective, it takes away its mana, takes away its power. Community-led kaupapa are really where things start. Absolutely. Iwi-led. So the Act has provision for iwi social services and for iwi and for Māori to take control of situations when the young people are affected by crime. But there's no resourcing. So Oranga Tamariki receives the funding Where's the resourcing to iwi exactly. to deal with their tamariki? Mm. You know, it's a tricky one because we have to go right back to the uh, misappropriation of Māori land. Yeah. We have to go back to the, you know, the New Zealand wars, mm. Governor Gray. We have to look at that. That's where our problem with youth justice started, mm. let alone the signing of the treaty, you know, all of the, the mis misinterpretation of the articles of the treaty. Um, they all form the foundation for why our youth statistics are so appalling. Um, also, the land transfer system, you know, whenua being confiscated from Māori, losing that base, uh, has led to homelessness. These all have an impact on our whānau, on our tamariki and on our youth justice. So it's not an issue in, in isolation. It actually stems, uh, and, and from my perspective, it's been another tool of colonisation, mm. just as the use of imprisonment became a tool yeah. of colonisation. Once the treaty was signed, legislation started to be formed. You know, from my opinion, the Crown couldn't win the law by force, uh, couldn't win the war by through force, through fighting. Our people were too strong. Mm. So the pen came out. And from thereafter, there were a number of pieces of legislation that had significant harm to our people. One of those being the Tohunga Suppression Act. Mm. You know, our young people need to learn skills from those who are skilled. Those are where our Tohunga. And uh, that piece of legislation was enacted in 1905 and it wasn't repealed, like it wasn't uh, distinguished, extinguished, sorry, until the 60s. Mm. So for that length of time, uh, it, it legislated for the government and for police to arrest, to identify tohunga in our communities, uh, to arrest them, to charge them, and to imprison them. Uh, so our the rates of Māori imprisonment actually go back historically that far. I guess the other thing that's important for us to understand is the effect that urbanisation has had on our people. Mm. You know, removing our rangatahi from their from their tribal homelands. Yeah. Uh, from that sense of connection to the whenua, that connection to their people. Uh, you know, you think about young people and how they are in the holidays, in the mm. school holidays. Our rangatahi, if you take them back home to their marae, as many of us do, mm. um, to reconnect. They're always running off to aunties or uncles or picking the plum trees off that nanny. Uh, they're going to see what cousins are up to, have a swim, you know, swim in the awa, climb the maunga eat the kai from the kainga, uh, those are the things that our young people enjoy. Now, if you don't have the resources uh, to be able to take your whānau back, um, or if you're disconnected from your, generationally disconnected from your iwi and from your people, how are our rangatahi meant to evolve? Mm. You know, we have the saying <coughs> that children are raised by the village, it takes the village to raise a pepe, 
And that doesn't change when they become teenagers. No. Um, and the law says from 18, they can be locked up in a, in a prison. Mm. You know, from 18, that's when you're an adult offender. It's like a um, momo diaspora, like that Māori experience at home. Exactly. Being, yeah. uh, being urbanised and not even being, it's that out of touch with their, yeah. with their whenua. It's, that's right. It's like the whole thing, the, the whakatauki, one thing to say your our another thing to swim in it. That's right, that's right. Yeah. That's right, and so so the Oranga Tamariki Act has a piece of, uh, has a section in there that forces Oranga Tamariki to actually look at cultural connections. Section 7AA of the Act makes provision for Oranga Tamariki uh, to look into those connections. But generationally, many of the whānau who are in, in difficult circumstances, socioeconomically addicted to, to substances, they are the the hua of that disconnection. Mm. Um, you know, moving Māori whānau and the pepper-potting schemes that, that Pākehā governments um, have implemented have disconnected Māori not only from uh, their tribal base, but also in the communities the kaupapa was to pepper pot whānau, so Māori whānau weren't put together um, on a street. So children, rangatahi don't get to experience that here in the cities, rangatahi who are culturally uh, starved, they don't get to experience mm. trips home, swims in the awa, uh, they don't get to, and I guess the other thing too about whānau uh, raising tamariki is that a young person isn't always going to necessarily identify and connect to a parent, for example. They might have an uncle that they feel particularly close to mm. that provides that oversight, uh, that provides that um, that uh, mentoring for that young person. Um, you know, whānau are resilient, but when the genera generationally, when that's been the impact on our people, um, you know, rangatahi tamariki need somewhere to live. We're in a housing crisis. They need something to eat cost of food. Uh, many of my rangatahi will be stealing, you know, doing ram raids or the like because they need to feed their little younger brothers and sisters. Um, rangatahi need someone who love them. Um, rangatahi need someone who they look up to, um, someone they can relate to. Uh, they need something that they can be proud of. They need something to do, something that, that makes them feel good. Um, and if rangatahi don't have that uh, from different members in their whanau, then they're going to create that from watching, from playing GTA, you know, or from from um, hanging out with their mates and and not having those positive influences to steer them down to the moana to go and get some kai moana. Um, and we have to remind ourselves too that we are a very young people. Māori are a young people in terms of the world. Uh, generationally, it wasn't so long ago that we were in fact living in pa. Mm. And we were in fact living as hapu, and that we were in fact, uh, you know, in warfare with ourselves fighting for, for territory and then fighting uh, the crown for the land acquisition. So we're very young generationally, which means that our rangatahi, they have a lot of energy. They have a, we, they have a lot of warrior gene mm. in them that needs to be channeled into a positive direction. And if you can find that purpose, e payana. And, and, our, and our rangatai are passionate and capable of so much. But if they don't have those positive influences, then they're going to turn their uh, capabilities uh, into some, something else. Yeah. Um, and they get really good at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're really good at it. They're good at it. Yeah. That's right, we're innovative. Yeah. I think about, like, 
how different my life has been to my um, little brother's life because we're a whole um, 11 years apart wow, yes. and we're just different stage of our parents life mm. I was there we grew up in in Manaa at home um, with my hapu my whanau around me um, and I come from hard-working stock everyone worked and that's all I seen we grew up just picking muscles uh, my farmer is muscle farmers so I was out on the boats every morning come home get on the truck, go drop off the the, um, the catch, come home, um, eat whatever dad caught out on the boats that day. Yeah. And that was my whole upbringing. And <clears throat> I remember being little and having days where um, mum and dad weren't around and then it was instant, grandma come pick me up, papa come pick me up, yeah. auntie come pick me up, and then yeah. I'm off to do another job with them. Yeah. And there was, I, I, I was with my little brother, he, they live in Papa more now, and um, I was come home and he just got home at like seven o'clock, eight o'clock at night. And my rule, our rule with growing up was like, be home before lights come off, whatever yeah. it is around the par. But in the city, it was a whole different thing. It was don't even leave. And um, <laughs> when I come home and I seen him coming in at like eight o'clock, I was like, what have you been up to? And he was like, oh, just roaming. I was like, the fuck's roaming? Yeah. <laughs> Roaming yeah. mean. I was like, go get yeah. her, go get in the yeah. model, do yeah. something with yeah. your fucking. Yeah. yeah. I was like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. I was like, but that's literally all they have to yeah, do. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And yeah, you talk Roaming, to, hanging at the parks. Uh, yeah. And I was like, what even is that? I was like, what a boring, boring. Our people need to be productive. Yeah. You know, we're hardworking people, yeah. and even our rangatai need to be productive. Yeah, have to do something. Yeah. They can't just sit around. Something to do. Yeah. yeah. And then sure. that turns into meeting someone in for their sure. place, and then they all want to do group influence, want to do something stupid, and then hello, yeah. Yeah. we're all back at YG. Yeah. Then it all sounds like a good idea at the time, mm. eh? Mm. Yeah. No, that's right. And then, and then the the, the offshot of that is, for example. Rangatai will do something silly, they'll get in trouble, and then they'll be subject to bail conditions. Mm. Now, those bail conditions, I mean, we're hard on our young people in the West. The police, youth aid, are hard on our young people. They'll have them on a 24-hour curfew. Now, what young person that you know can stay home 24-7? Mm. You know, and then if we think about the living situation that these kids are living in, I had a young fella on bail conditions, 24-hour curfew he was on, and he was living in a household where there was... Uh, um, a lot of drug use. Yeah, um, the there was. Safe that they're being held in he was in hours. the care of his auntie, yeah. and his auntie had all sorts of, you know, uh, unsavory characters hanging around, and she had this particular boyfriend, and and he was in the gangs, uh, and he was heavy on the methamphetamine, and you know if he he would try and kick this boy's door down. Mm. Um, late at night, even though the boy would lock the door um, to have a fight with him, this young fella. And it's like, that boy can't leave. Because if he leaves, yeah. he's going to get arrested and locked up for breach of bail. Yeah. And then if he stays, he's going to get a hiding from auntie's boyfriend. Yeah. So, you know, what are kids supposed to do in situations like that? And, and in fact, that young person, I sat in the Oranga Tamariki office uh, for four hours that afternoon. We had a hui about him, and this all come out in the hui in the FGC family group conference. And... Um, I said, I'm not leaving here until you find some accommodation for this boy. This is a young boy who was taken off his parents because mm. his mother was charged with serious assault charges. So he's taken off his immediate whanau and put with some extended whanau. Uh, and this is his life. 
you know, and mm. he's got a non-association with his mother. He can't see his mum. His koro saw his mum hitting him, so he's a witness. So he's not allowed to talk to koro. You know, so these bail conditions restrict our rangatahi. So now, you know, young fellow's not able to talk to koro about what happened, nor is he able to talk to his mum. And he's got to live with this other auntie who's got a, you know, gang member boyfriend who wants to bash this little fella's head in. Uh, and Oranga Tamariki, that's their best work. Yeah. You know, and I, I'm not saying that there aren't good individuals who work for the service. There are some amazing people out there passionate for working with Aurangate, and some of them work for Oranga Tamariki. Uh, but in terms of as a as a mechanism, our, it's failing our people. Mm. We know that. We've just had the Royal Inquiry into Abuse and State Care. Uh, that is another symptom um, of a number of issues that mm. Māori face, but that has shown that Oranga Tamariki have not done their job. No. When they remove Tamariki from their whānau, uh, what's the alternative? What does that look like? And it's been pretty horrific for our people mm. and other Indigenous people across the world, uh, the effect of being in state care and what that looked like. Uh, and so our response was to start closing down some of the youth homes that we had for care and protection. So we have to remember that one piece of legislation covers both care and protection and youth justice. One piece of law to look after kids and to lock them up. So no sense. it doesn't make sense. And then our iwi are not resourced. Um, we haven't even settled from, from losing our whenua mm. that was confiscated unlawfully. Uh, so there's no resource base there. Uh, and then funding, well, there's no official funding for iwi or hapu or whānau to be able to find solutions for themselves. The government just doesn't fund. Funds Oranga Tamariki. Mm. And they have quite a lengthy process to get approved to run programs. It's all interconnected, right? Totally. It's all connected with each other. What When I think about... Um, I, I, I say sis instead of Oranga Tamariki because I'm just not a fan of the name change. I was actually um, a student at the time at SIFS when they changed it to Oranga Tamariki. And I remember the banners changing and the names changing and um, sitting with the social workers who had been working there for 15 plus years and their commentary about this being the change, like this is gonna you know, <laughs> give us more quality of, of practice. Um, and what I really learned as a, as, a, as a student, as a social worker, who came in really bright-eyed and was like, I'm going to go and do all Help the things. The yeah, Change gonna, the world. I'm going to do all the things. Is that the you couldn't match the quantity of cases with yeah. a quality service. Yeah. And I saw social workers so deeply burnt out, both mm, in care yeah. protection and YJ. And um, I saw them making decisions so harmful. Mm. And I even saw Māori and Basafika mm. making decisions mm. who were mm, social workers to our own people. And mm. I thought to myself, this makes me really uncomfortable and, and, and unsafe as a, as a student to yeah. come in here and try to learn from people that actually aren't are drowning. Yeah. Like just, they're just drowning. They yeah. don't know what they're doing. Yeah. Yet they've been here for 20 years. Yeah. Um, and I think like when we talk about like SIFs a lot of the time, I don't think people realize like these are the kids that eventually go 
and make decisions that we're sitting here complaining while watching the news. Yeah. So I love that you mentioned Ram Raids. Yeah, yeah. Because that is hot such topic. a big hot topic right now. Yeah. It's a huge topic. And I see <coughs> the comments and I hear the comments of, well, I just put them in prison. And you're like, yeah. These are kids. Yeah, and, and, and you know? Christopher Luxon's response oh. is send them to a boot camp. Oh, now, God. How did boot camp work out for all those people in the who have just given evidence in the Royal Inquiry? Exactly. Yeah. You know, how did that work out? Yeah. Uh, Borstal, how did that work out for our people? You know, our kids that are doing the ram raids today are children and grandchildren of, of men who were taken away from their whanau and locked up for silly things. Yeah. Uh, in Borstal, and then suffered horrific abuse in those institutions. Yeah. Uh, so we haven't even dealt with uh, what's gone on there, mm. and this is another um, symptom yeah. uh, of those those causes, those those issues that those deep issues that Māori have faced, colonisation. You know that that's what this is the effect of it, and you know our young people these days they have so much access to overseas influence too. Yeah. Um. So you, you th- add that into the mix. Um. You know, yeah, playing Grand Theft Auto, it's yeah. out the gate. So yeah. it normalises driving around in fast cars and stealing them stealing and shooting. Children. And when children are disconnected and they're hiding away in their room, playing those games, you know what impact does that have on their mental health? Yeah. Um, and also, what <laughs> what impact does that have on their ability to self-regulate their emotions? You know, that ability to have fun when you're Speak doing manus off the, the bridge with your whānau, mm. um, they have to replicate that because they can't get to the bridge because they've got no petrol uh, and you know, all their cousins are locked up, you know, all their bros are locked up because that's the reality of kids in YJ in, in the cities. Um, so they don't have the ability to, to access those things that we would normally find joyful. To mm. those opportunities to work hard, mm. um, so they find opportunities, you know, by hanging out with their mates and coming up with dumb ideas. Uh, and the ram raids, you know, the media surely, the sure the media's grabbed hold of ram raids and is, is running to the, towards the trial line with it. But this has been an ongoing issue for for many years. I mean, mm. my yes. young people have been doing ram raids from way back. Yeah. I think one of the big problems is is the state of homelessness. Yeah, you know, Arangate don't have anywhere to live. Yeah, and they don't have anything to eat. Um, and Oranga Tamariki's response is to remove them. I mean, that young fellow I was talking about just before, their response was to put him in a flat, in an apartment in the city. So that's yeah. what they did for this young fella. You know, and that, that was their response. And so then that's social housing, there's just gang members around exactly. that. that are, well, he's living in the, the, the hood, really in yeah, the hood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so... As a kid. As a child, yeah. as a child. And I think, too, you know, our legislation deals with, you're a youth offender between 14 and 17. So that's the age range that, that I work with in my youth advocacy, my, um, when they hit 18, they've graduated straight to Mount Eden. Mm. You know, these are young people being incarcerated. So, I mean, I'm not at all an advocate for imprisonment. I get that there's some people that need to be kept away from society, but we also need to look at different ways of doing things because, you know, the definition of insanity is just keep doing what we've always done. Yeah. We're always just going to get what we've got. Yeah. Um, and, you know, our Māori rates of imprisonment are horrific. Yeah. The worst in the developed world, um, 65% of our women's prison pa- population are Māori women. And we think about the role that Māori women play in whānau. They'll be running their households, running the whānau. They'll still be the go-to from inside. But what form of connection is that for whānau? You know, a Māori woman are the weavers of their whānau. Ngā puna roimata. You know, um, 
we're the ones who figure out problems, uh, solutions to the problems, you know. But what are, what what what, are, what we do? What do we do with that? Māori only make up between fifteen and twenty percent of the general population. So how was it that our statistics are so appalling? I see it firsthand why the statistics are so appalling. I have a Māori mum at the moment that hasn't actually done anything wrong. She's not breached her parole, yet she is has been locked up for about eighteen months now. Um, we had the breach hearings. We like heard the evidence from the probation department of corrections. Gave evidence, you know. She missed this appointment on that day. She's supposed to meet us at the marae, but we decided to change the appointment from the marae to to meeting at the offices because we didn't like the way she talked to us the last time we met with her. But we didn't tell her that. We just left a message on the phone with her mum and hoped that her mum told her. And then we breached her because she didn't turn up to the office on that day. Where was she? Oh, she was at the marae like they had agreed. Uh, but all of a sudden it's been changed unilaterally and, and the other thing they did is just cross out a, a date. Oh, it's actually on the 8th, it's not the 10th, we've crossed that out now. So anyway, we heard all this evidence uh, and this is a Māori mum as well, she's got her own tamariki and uh, we heard all the evidence and both breaches are dismissed. I thought, yes, I've done my job, breaches are dismissed. Mm. Next minute, she's still locked up on parole. We've had four, maybe five parole hearings uh, since then and every hearing I appear wahine Māori on her behalf and it doesn't serve her having a Māori lawyer. Serves mm. her because she can relate to me and she won't talk to any other lawyers. She's had six other lawyers. She sacked them all because she doesn't have that honunga and that trust. Mm. Um, yet this Māori lawyer, because of the white construct that the parole board is, exactly. uh, can't get her out. Mm. And her tamariki have all started kura. You know, she has one special needs tamariki. Her mum has breast cancer. She's terminally ill. And she's still locked up over at Woody. You know, um, we got another parole hearing coming up. But I won't be getting my hopes up, you know. Yeah. Um, the last time we appeared, they said, oh, where's the marae representatives? You know, we were sitting there, me and Papa Shane from the marae, we were sitting there. Anei. So I said, next time we'll bring a banner, bro. We'll put it up. Wane wai titi marae, anei. Wild, because I feel like um, I remember I was I you just you speaking about that reminds me of like the whole conversation around generational trauma, yes. right? And I think about um, when I was a social worker, my first job was working in a residence that basically worked to repair the re- attachment and relationship between the, a mother and their child or children who were lost due to care. Mm. And um, it was a it was a real eye opener because I walked in with I'm going to be honest, a lot of biases and judgments because I was mm. like, look at these mums like hitting their kids, doing this, like being around bad guys and allowing them to hurt their children. It was a real big judgment of mine. Um, And the first day it just got knocked. I got winded (laughs) real bad. And I met this young mother and um, she was 19 years old and she had a four-year-old child. And she had basically had a partner who just caused a lot of harm in the Mm. home, especially for her baby. And um, when I met her, I just learned so much about her life. Mm. And 10 years ago, she was that baby. Mm. She was that little girl. And 20 years before that, her mom was that kid, Mm. Um, you know, and this young girl had also gone to prison Mm. and um, had been forced to do things to Mm. get money because of desperation Mm. um, and trying to get attention because I'm like, I want to be seen, I want to be heard look at me see me um and she tried to find other means and that often fell into the arms of of really bad guys really like that was all it was and i saw this cycle just like be regenerated and regenerated and regenerated and no one was trying 
other methods yeah. to get this mum so that she could succeed, so yeah. she could thrive. Yeah. But also no one was listening to her. Everyone was like, yeah, but you, you stuffed up. This was on you. You need to take accountability. And I'm like, but who's accountable for her harm? Yeah, that's Who's right. accountable for her hurt? And then who's accountable for her mum's hurt? And her, you know, her family's hurt. And it's, it just kept on going in a circle and circle. And we always talk about this, mm. but yet we're not willing to change it. Yeah. So what do you think, like, from your experience, not only, like, as, as someone who's a lawyer, but also as a Māori woman who's seen this and has been a, a pillar for a lot of people coming through the doors who see you and, like, I trust you because yeah. I see myself in you. Yeah. What do you think we need to do to ch- – I know it's a big question, but to kind of, like, change these yeah, things. Yeah, no, I've pondered this many, many – over many, many years. Yeah. What do we do? What's, what's going to make the difference? <laughs> I think we have the answers in ourselves – um, I think we need to, I think community-led initiatives um, have had a big contribution, but again, resourcing is a huge issue. Yeah. Um, we run some programs down at Hwani Waititi Marae. Um, we struggle to get referrals, so uh, in terms of who refers, Oranga Tamariki refers, um, and they just don't refer their kids to the programs that are there to support. I think the other thing with our with our with Māori people too is like, like you say we need someone who has done it. So yet we have you know we have a scale in terms of Māori success, you know, and some of our Fano <coughs> have really achieved <coughs> and are shining examples of how you can change a life. So a Fano who's trying to do those things, change their life and live a better more positive life, um they need to have someone to look up to, yeah. a mentoring kind of a situation. So they're not going to listen to some bullied um, social worker that says you need to cook, feed your children three meals a day. They're going to listen to a mum who's who's done that, who's been there. Yeah. Um, so there does need to be community-led initiatives. We know from our experience with, for example, the implementation of the Oranga Tamariki Act, that government-controlled um, initiatives, they don't work for our people. So I believe that our iwi need to be resourced. I believe the solution is on the marae. Um, I believe our people being connected back to their marae or to marae generally. Um, if you live in Auckland, you know there are a number of urban marae that have a number of initiatives. I'm a firm uh, advocate for marae services. Mm. Um, but but there's the bigger issues like the housing crisis we're in. Those all have an impact. I have young people in custody because mum hasn't got a house. Mm. And that's the only reason. She doesn't have a house that I can apply for bail to. Mm. So you just get back into Kurawai Manaki. Um, so yeah, I do think there are solutions in our, within our people. I don't hold all the solutions myself, but I've pondered this for many years yeah. because I'm a solutions-focused person. Mm. I know the problems. What's the solutions? <laughs> yeah. um, you know, Oranga Tamariki need to give up some of that money. The whole system needs to be deconstructed. Absolutely. Even the the, the legislation, because we have to remind ourselves. The legislation that's been enacted was a tool of oppression. It's a tool Absolutely. of colonisation. And that's the war of the pen, mm. you know, that followed because it couldn't be won by force. Mm. So legislation has never served our people. You know, going to prison uh, is not a thing that we're a of because it's just something that we have had all our, yeah. our whole uh, existence. You know, when the, the early on when the legislation started to be enacted, there were, there were offences for Māori to be in a group of more than three. 
So if you're Māori and you're out there and there's three of you, you could be arrested and locked up for mm. that, sent to the Chatham Islands. You know, so small offences. And the police force was also brought in mainly from Scotland um, to control and to do what the Crown, what Governor Grey mm. and those earlier, uh, early, early colonials wanted, it, wanted them to do. Um, so the whole policing system, the whole uh, incarceration of our people, they are all tools of colonisation. So how do you, you know, deconstruct those mechanisms that mm. have been constructed? We need iwi solutions. We need marae-based services. Uh, we need whānau for whānau solutions. You know, usually in a whānau, there will be someone in that whānau who has, has made good decisions or, you know, it's about putting the net wider, thinking differently, um, not locking our children up, yeah. giving them homes, somewhere to live, something to eat, someone to love them, mm. uh, something to believe in. You know, the other thing too with our young people in court, not only our young people, but even our adults, you walk into a courtroom and you don't know who all the players are. Sure, they introduce them, but, you know, you're freaking out because it's court, mm. so blank. There's all these different players. And the person sitting in the main seat, the judge. Now, don't get me wrong. We've had some amazing judicial officers in this country. Judge Mick Brown, early 80s, was an amazing. He actually helped contribute to the youth legislation we have. So we have some good judges. Judge Hemi Taumanu, first Māori district court judge. You know, um, Judge Ofa Cassidy, she's our youth court judge down in Waitakere. Where's the moko kauai? Um, how liberating for our people. You know, we have some amazing players. So don't get me wrong. But... Traditionally, the person who's sitting in the judicial seat hasn't served us. Mm. We actually don't feel a connection to that person. So we don't carry a whole stigma of whakama for an, a sense of obligation to that person. Mm. <coughs> that person is there ju to, to be the judge, to judge over the proceedings. But this rangatai don't know that person. You know, so there's usually someone in the whānau that a rangatai is going to feel obligated to going to respect you know for for us to have a respect for someone it's it's you know it's a bit of give and take you've got to trust that person so they're not going to care oh judge says you're on a 24-hour queue. Well, i don't care you know mm. i don't care you know what is that who's that to me i don't mm. care you know or you've you this is what you've done oh i don't care because they don't have that obligation they don't have that trust and they don't have the respect for the process mm. sure the sigil behind them shows one rangatira wearing a kuruai and one chick, she's the queen, wearing a fancy dress. So our justice symbol thing shows that. But in practice, it ain't like that. Mm. You know, we should be able to wānanga and hui on our marae. We should be able to take our kids home and work with the whānau we have to find solutions. We need uh, more homes for our kids. Our kids mm. don't have somewhere to live. They don't have something to eat. Um, so there's lots of problems, but they stem back. So it's deconstruction and then it's rebuilding. Yeah. It's wiping the slate clean and rebuilding because uh, it's not working, even if you change the name to Oranga Tamariki. I mean, our youth justice resident is called Korowai Manaki. I, what the actual? Wild. <laughs> <laughs> That's so wild. You know? Watch you manaki. Because we call it the Hinaki, you know? Yeah. Korowai Manaki. It's the Hinaki, bro, you know? Only it's, the slippery ones get out. It's so hard because, like, you know, for justice system to not be just. Mm. Mm. Is is so mm. such a mindfuck. Mm. Like you're just mm. like, mm. It, 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 it's hard because it's like hopeless. Yeah, it, it, feels, it feels like hopeless. that. It, it does and feel like that, brother. It feels so much, and it feels like 
there's no fucking way out. Yeah. And there's no way I can see our people mm. getting any better and, you know, getting a wrong one for this. Bullshit yeah. System. Yeah. We all know it doesn't work for us and still we can't get out of it. Yeah. There are, there are some, there are, there's got to be a way out of it, has brother. To. There has to be a way yeah. out of it. You know, we think about the Crimes Act that set the, you know, because one other thing that blows my mind is the concept of muru. So mm. Māori traditionally had our own yeah. ways of dealing with social disobedience That's and social control. Yeah. yeah. Is it called muru? Well, there's many ways. Oh, right, right. There's many ways. There's many ways. Utu, muru, right. um, you know, at the end of the day, it's about working problems out because no one solution is going to fix every yeah. problem, Absolutely. you know? So jail ain't going to fix the whole Crimes Act. Yeah. Um, but they, so our way of social control relied upon those relationships of trust, of respect, yeah. of obligation. Um, it, it, it relied on that because you had to have an obligation to your people to do the right thing. You have to have respect for the person who's telling you to do the right thing. Um, and so ways to restore imbalance is we have to remember any hara, anything that went wrong, it caused an imbalance in the normal balanced society that we lived in. So society is normally balanced, you know, that tips the balance. In order to restore that balance to hōhauterungo, what um, there was practices that were mm. that were enacted like by that. So muru, for example. Muru was when the person who had been wronged had the opportunity to come to the person, to the whānau or, you know, the, the kāinga of the person who had caused the harm, who had done the wrong. And the person who had caused the harm, them and their whānau would put all their belongings out. Mm. And the whānau that had been harmed came and would choose something. And then the process of negotiation, you all have that, thank you very much, and I'll go. So that's one of the ways to resolve disputes, was to offer belongings of the person who had caused the harm. I have a real-life example of that. My, my grandfather, my mum's father, um, killed someone in, a, in an accident, fell asleep at the wheel. Um, it shouldn't have been on the road, been on the road driving trucks for ages and mm -hmm. ages, and he killed a mum. And the kids survived in the car accident. Um, ran the truck straight over them and Māori, Māori mm. mother and um, I know that's still the biggest, well, his biggest regret in his life but the way that they faced it, they went to the tangi, the whole whānau went and when he got there in the middle of the marae they had a chair for him mm. and everyone got to stand up and say their uh, I forgive you mm. or I fucking hate you mm. and it was mm. the way of mm. healing for their whānau my granddad was, um, he's, he's a businessman and he's been lucky enough to fight Awa in the Te Aupākehā. Um, so he set up trusts for them and all that, but that's never enough. But the thing that the daughter said was that it was enough for him to come face them. Yeah. And now they have right. that face to put it to. That's right. Yeah, they have that face to look at and know that was the reason yeah. and they can face it every day. Yeah. Instead of wonder why, wonder yeah. who, wonder what. They knew what, yeah, he said what he did, yeah, showed up that's, and faced it. And that's the biggest question people have when they've been affected by crime. Why? Mm. Why me? Mm. And to even just hear that it was just an accident, mm. the healing factor that yeah. that has is significant, you know? I can feel it now. It's the healing factor. So yeah. these are ways that we would sort out problems. Yeah. 
one of the ways we didn't sort out problems was hauling someone up, chucking them in a concrete box, taking mm. them to some random person they've never even met, uh, getting them to explain their story to that person, and then that person goes and talks on their behalf to someone, someone sitting else. up there they've yeah. never even met. Yeah. You know, so those were our ways. But you think about, we don't have those, we don't have solutions like that. It's mm. just arrest, lock up, charge. Yeah. You know, that's our system. It's not the way we do things. No options and, for it. That's right. And mm. so, you know, and then, then the crime of burglary, that carries a maximum of 10 years imp- imprisonment. The starting point will be prison. Yeah. Generally 18 months prison for, for first-time burglar. A burglar, you know, are people going to go and help themselves to stuff? Rightly or wrongly, <laughs> our people, you know, they, they, <laughs> rightly or wrongly, because that's one of the practices. Yeah, sure, it's been misconstrued and they're taking stuff when they haven't even been yeah. armed. <laughs> but as an offence, that's an example of one of the offences in the Crimes Act. Uh, that is at odds with one of the ways that we resolve disputes. So the solution is with us. The yeah. solution is with Māori. Yeah. The solution is iwi, is with our iwi, is with our people. We have the solutions, but we need the resourcing. So either give the land back so that we can develop the land for yeah, our resourcing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of the Pākehā farmers that you gave it to when they came back from the war. Yeah. Uh, or uh, give us some new money. Maybe yeah, yeah. some of the money that they give Maybe. to the uh, symph- what's that bloody orchestra? Oh, they get like 20 God. mil, bro. Yeah. <laughs> We could have 20 mil, we could do a lot with 20 mil for our people, you know. I know that we're supposed to wrap up, but I just have one question to ask you. So I know that we mentioned the FGC, which is is definitely wānanga, but um, I have experienced it when it's been done badly. Oh, yeah. Um, Tell me when it's done good. Yeah. (laughs) Show me a good one. (laughs) Exactly. Do you think that there's still space for us to have FGCs, or do you think that... We need to completely have a retraining of those FGC coordinators that, come on, guys, this is it's ridiculous. But, like, what, yeah, what do you think we need to do to make it better? Because it's it, for me, personally, when I have what I've witnessed, I have far less great encounters than I have work. Like, I have way worse encounters than I do have good ones. It's got to be a natural process, eh? Yeah. Important people got to be there. You know, I used to run a marae justice program at Hwani Waititi Marae, and one of the baselines for me was you have to bring whānau. The person coming who's been referred from the courts has to bring whānau because somewhere in that whānau will be someone that they respect and that they listen to and that they will uh, feel obligated to, um, connect them to. Because it's very easy for us to appear in court in isolation and no one knows and then I go to jail and where they've been for two years, I'll be in jail. You know, but when you bring your whānau into the fold, that's where the solutions lie. You know, and, and yeah, I accept there's been huge trauma, generational trauma done to yeah. our whānau. How do you fix that? Um, but it's just one day at a time, one step at a time. Mm. I've also seen people completely change their lives for the better. You know, people affected by addiction issues who completely revamp their lives uh, and live in a whānau-orientated way. But I do believe the solution lies with our people, it lies on the marae, it lies in our whānau. We know the answers to the problems, mm. but we need to be resourced accordingly to be able to deliver those services or just give the land back that was confiscated uh-huh. unlawfully and then we could develop our own resource base off that, exactly. like we once had trading it's like um, given an opportunity right it's given the opportunity to be able to do it because you have we haven't been able to government-led yeah. programs yeah. are not working for our people no. so we need to you know use our tinoranga tiratanga and advance our people in our own way in our yeah. own unique way mm. um, what that looks like i don't have all the answers but there are certainly answers within our people 
Um, and, and how often do we get together and talk about these topics? Yeah. You know, I think it was 2009 was the last time we had a youth justice conference in the Waitakere. From that, there was a huge amount of recommendations. Do you think anyone's implemented one of them? Not mm. one of them have been implemented. Of course not. You know, They're not one of them. Out, aren't they? But our people have a lot of talent and mm. our people are resilient True. and our people are, um, we know the answers. Yeah. Yeah, because it's like we we still want to have hope, right? And and absolutely, there is hope. There is still something we can do, and something to kind of dream for and work towards. Even where there's not hope, there's fight. That's right. That's right. And you know, if you break it down, it's very simple. Our young people need somewhere to live. They need someone who loves them. They need something to eat. They need something to do. They need something that makes them feel a sense of pride. Yeah. Just that simple. Just home. Home. Yeah. The solutions are just right there. They are. Fucking let them out. They are, and they're not in words on a piece of uh, paper. They're not in. They're not in an act. No. Um, They're in Wananga. They're in. That's right. Exactly. Yeah, going for a dive there, and there's so many. It's like seems so easy. Well, well, like, many cle- lots like, of clever yeah. people have thought about this, right? <laughs> yeah. Dr. John Rangiho did in the seventies, yeah. and then Juana uh, Jackson. Yeah. Gosh. You know, uh, I mean, oh, he's just the Obi Wan Kenobi. Bless him. You know, rest in love. Yeah, totally. So there are answers in there, and there yeah. are solutions, and there are answers out there, and it's Absolutely. for us to to promote them and to be woke to the issues. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Stay in the fight. Wow. Yeah. And love our kids. Yeah. Even the naughty ones. Yeah. Especially the naughty ones. <laughs> and don't listen to the media. Love them don't tight. Don't get all your information from the media. Like, oh, you can well. Take from here. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're the media. We're the media. Well, oh, my God. We're the media now. Just listen, oh to, the, just listen to the right media, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, listen to our kids. Listen to them. Listen to them. They want to be heard. They, they need someone to hear them. Heard. Listen to them. Yeah. Okay, wow. I know, I know. <laughs> thank you so much, Rosie. You're just amazing. Pai. And, um, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and your love and your passion. It's mm. been such a beautiful corridor and we're just really grateful you've been here and I know that everyone who's listening will be so grateful to hear. Yeah. Kia ora. So yeah. Thank you so much. Kia ora. See you next episode. Kakite. <laughs>